0: Welcome back to another edition of Inner World Podcast with your host Mary Wynn, and we're doing another quarantine edition. <laughs> I looked to the sky when I did that. Yeah. Um, and as always, we always have our producer Adam. You've missed only one episode I know, so yeah. far—just
1: one. Oh, two, I guess when you when you recorded uh, uh, without me in your garage that one time for uh, Final uh-huh. Fantasy. Uh, oh, that's
0: right. That's right. And then the first one, you weren't on mic, so yeah. I
1: just, I just yelled into your microphone from six <laughs> feet away. Uh, we were doing social distancing even then.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and today we have a special guest in. I call my guests special because they are special because they agreed to join me on this quest. Uh, David Long. Hello, David.
2: Hey. How's it going? Thank you so much for calling me special. That makes me feel really good. Every time right now. <laughs> I mean,
1: you're not Warren Beatty can sleep with anybody
2: special, but you're pretty special. Well, I think uh, if I had the the money, the apartments, the private jets, I think I would be. But uh, as of right now, it's a big equalizer. Everybody's stuck at home. So yes. nobody is special.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes. Nobody's getting laid.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure no one gets this reference because no, I'm pretty sure no one's seen this movie called Town and Country. 2001's Town and Country.
1: Oof! Wow.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, a sleeper because it died.
2: <laughs> Can we actually start with that? Uh, you just mentioned the title, but I'm still very confused. And hopefully, you might have some more background. Why is it called Town and Country? Oof, that is a good question.
0: I thought it, I I maybe it's because they keep on going back and forth between New York and the countryside. That's I my thought best guess. So. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, Anyway, so a little bit of background as uh, Adam's trying to pull up some trivia for the movie. (laughs) It's directed by uh, Peter sum. I didn't see too much stuff. He seems—I'm pretty sure he's a big director. Um, And because there were so many, like, 90s stars in this movie. Like, there were, like, star after star in the smallest roles, too. In this
2: movie. There are like 90s killers in here. Goldie Hawn, killer. Diane Keaton, killer. Annie McDowell. She's still like the spokesperson for uh, Revlon, I think, right? So like, yeah. what a star yeah. studded cast.
1: I mean, with those curly locks, she's got a job for life. Come on. <laughs> Come on. God, that was crazy.
0: Um, And then like, not only that, but like Diane Keaton. And who is perpetually being cheated on in every movie? Yeah. That's like her, her multi-universe, you know? Like her cinematic universe of Diane Keaton. Of all the ways
2: to be typecasted, to be the the, the cheap, jilted lover is a tough thing. Yeah. 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 This is yeah. the
1: second movie Warren Beatty and uh, her have been together. Uh, the other one was Reds, where they actually had their own affair, and Jack Nicholson was the other guy. It's a big, like, five-hour-long movie, but it's pretty much just like... A love triangle where it's this movie but better and about communism <laughs> but i don't know like <laughs> so if this if this is the if reds is the one about communism this one sure as shit is about capitalism and how we need to kill the fucking rich yeah, right? <laughs>
2: like- yeah and on paper this movie should have been so successful i mean warren Beatty. that guy's been you know famous since my dad wasn't even alive and then uh Diane Keaton like you mentioned and then it was directed by a pretty like uh successful um I think he's done several different rom-coms and stuff like that too Mm. he directed two movies that I really like Serendipity and um Shall We Dance so this person is a vetted experienced rom-com director
0: yeah, it had, like, like kind of the earmarks of all these, like, rom-coms, too. Like, it had, like, the j- witty banter and the runaround, like, almost caught, like, uh, dialogue, you know? So it had, like, and not only that, but, like, Gary Shandling's in it, too. So it should have been funnier.
2: <laughs> How do we not talk about Gary Shandling and his whole arc, arguably the only character that grows in this film?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so let's get into, like, the uh, the money of it all. The budget for this film was $90 million. Talk about killing the rich. Yeah.
2: Unheard of for any rom-com that I can even name. $90 million, that's more than most, like, big budget action films. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I-, I wonder where all that uh, money went. Because $90 million, it didn't really show up in... You know, too many of, like, the costumes or the set pieces. It must have just been accommodations for, like, their hotel rooms, their trailers. Uh, I'm sure they flew first class all the way.
0: Yeah, it must have been, like, the overhead for sure. Because it does not really show up in the movie. Maybe just, like, the actors themselves. Because there was, like, Jenna Elfman at the height of her, like, career, I think. And...
2: I don't think we've mentioned it too, but uh, Charlton Heston, you know, cinematic yeah. legend, Charlton Heston is in this movie.
1: Uh, yeah. So the, the what I've read online is that it actually is was inundated by reshoots and rewrites. So it actually makes a lot of sense that the script kind of just like like meanders and go, like ultimately like what oh. is the plot of this? Like I thought it was like I thought like maybe it's like Diane Keaton like doing a little trick or and. Her and, and Gary Shandling were like gonna be like surprised. We got our <laughs> yeah. spouse, our, our cheating spouses, but they didn't didn't end up being that. And somehow, I mean, Gary Shandling was gay, but then maybe we thought he wasn't. But then no, he just ends up being gay. like. So it's just like it was it was inundated with this. the it, The filming wrapped in nineteen ninety nine. This film released in two thousand one. Like it took two years for people to figure the fuck out. So also. Probably heavily edited as well. Like, they just didn't know what they were doing here.
0: Yeah, no, they weren't. Uh, Because also 2001, 9-11 happened as well. And there was, (laughs) like, you could see the Twin Towers in it. And, like, there is um, a scene, which we'll get to, but there's a scene of Charlton Heston shooting, like, holding a gun in a crowded area. Uh
1: you're talking yeah. about where he, like, comes in at the end with a, with a gun and, yeah. and starts yelling.
2: <laughs> the climax where they had to have all the, the female love interests, all of the female love interests converge into one area. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's an awfully messy movie. And it kind of shows in the box office because it ended up only making $10 million. Oh,
1: that's It's
0: terrible. Like, that's like a really, really bad box office <laughs> in any case.
2: Yeah, that's like foreign release uh, numbers right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, let's get to our pitches. And I'll, I'll go first. Um, I My pitch is that Warren Beatty and Gary Shanley like both get ch- kicked out for cheating and they end up at the cabin in Sun Valley to figure out like their lives, you know? Because it's, like, it's very clear that this whole movie was written by some boomer dude who was like, I can bag a ton of chicks. Like, well, th- I could just bag them if I was rich, you know? Do you know
1: who this was written by? Who? It was written by Buck Henry, which if, may not be like a super familiar name, but yes, boomer. Uh, he is the writer of The Graduates, uh, one of the original writers of the original Get Smart*. like, developed the characters, writer of oh. Catch 22 and Grumpy Old Men. Like this dude has some solid r- comedy writing chops, like seriously yeah. solid. And I get I some of it I get it. Like the pacing of it for sure. Like having it kind of co- like everything like coalesce into the, you know, all the women being in that bathroom. I was like, "Okay, this was kind of worth it in a way, but the ride was not like What are we like? It was like, what are we doing? You know?
0: Yeah, like it. It was. It felt. It did feel like, like the graduate. Now that you mention it, because of like all these women chasing after him, even though he was like a mediocre white dude.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's Warren Beatty. This is interesting. But my um, research showed something a little bit different. Because yeah, uh, there was actually uh, what I saw. There was two credited writers. Buck Henry being one of them, Buck Henry being a a, uh, writing legend. But then the other person was Michael Laughlin. But here's the interesting part, and here's why I think that this is actually to to, um, support your idea here. The Michael Laughlin's middle name is Stoddard, which is the last name of Porter Stoddard. Which leads me to believe that this person does think, again, yeah, oh, uh, I'm this great architect slash artist, right? Women love me. Oh man, my wife's lucky I don't cheat on her. Because here's a farce, a sexual, a sexual romp that I could be going on if I wanted to.
1: So two of things, two <laughs> two things probably happened in, in this. Uh, uh, Buck Henry wrote this and didn't want to, and and they couldn't hire him for rewrites. So they hired Laughlin uh, to come in and rewrite it, maybe do some character edits uh, enough to where. Uh, You know Buck Henry couldn't get enough money from it or secondly this is Laughlin's original script and these old fogies like Warren Beatty was like what the hell is this trash let's hire a legend and then they came in and rewrote it like regardless one of these guys fixed like there's
2: two different definite shifts of tone in this for sure that's that's what happened. Yeah very much agree with that. There's two big tones here. One of them is like a Van Wilder sex comedy. The other yeah. one is like a like a serious, um, lo- what's that one, um, Jack Nicholson rom-com, uh, As Good As It uh, Gets. As Good As like, It
1: Gets, also starring Diane Keaton. Also starring Diane Keaton, yeah.
2: Who got cheated
0: and who was a divorcee, I think. Yeah. Um,
2: I think we're thinking about there's yes. a, another one. That, uh, as Good As It Gets is the one with Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, you're right you're right and i think this is what they were going for they're like if we tell these big long epic love stories about this unlikable protagonist maybe you know we'll get an oscar ourselves
1: yeah you're right diane keaton was (laughs) was not in this uh movie or oh same genre yes yes same genre
2: like
1: it's
0: exact almost exactly um but yes, I, we, uh, we digress. Uh, David, what is your pitch to fix this movie?
2: Uh, so my pitch is I want to lean towards that first story, that like Van Wilder type story. So you want to put mm-hmm. in a young, sexy lead and maybe not too old either. I, I think Porter, well, I know Warren Beatty when he filmed this was 60 years old. Not to say that a 60-year-old couldn't have a, a rocking good affair, but it would have been more fun to see uh, like a, a Zac Efron type in this type of film after getting his you know, college sweetheart uh, divorced with her, now he's going to go off and be single for the first time at like 35. Ah. So obviously he's going to meet up with the cellist. He's going to meet up with the woman in the cabin. Um, yeah. And all the while his friend's like, hey, you know what? I see you having all this fun. I think I'm going to have some fun too. But on top of that, I think I found something out about myself. I think through your sexual discovery, I discovered that I am also open to dating men. <laughs> oh, there you go.
0: that's pretty fun. Okay, so let us get into the movie itself. So, at, like, at first, it opens on, like, kind of this overhead shot of, like, New York City. And, like, we see, like, um, Central Park and, like, all the buildings and stuff. And, like, um, it has, like, the music and stuff. So it really definitely feels like a 90s rom-com right, right out the gate. And um, and then we get like all these names, like these stars who are in this film. So we really feel like it's gonna be a really good fun romp. Um, and then we cut to cello music over a, a naked Warren Beatty in his bed, watching this woman play. And then we get a shot from her back where she's completely naked. And then there's a voiceover about him ha- being a cheating husband.
2: That shot of the woman's naked back, by the way, she has a lower back tattoo of, I think they're called bass clefts or treble clefts. So her body Uh is like that of a cello uh, and she's a cellist. So it was just so like on the nose. (laughs) Yeah, there was like so much on the nose stuff that was like, this is smart.
0: This is real (laughs) fun. Um, And then we cut to Paris. Um, And I was like, there's like so much like weird, like, time and space jumping in this movie because we because i thought they were in paris like from the beginning because it just shows him in this like apartment with this other woman so i was like is this set in paris right now um, but it takes yeah, a while so, to get
2: there, but it's, it's it's like Quentin Tarantino, the like flashback. It starts in the middle of this affair, and then it's like, how did I get here? Let's rewind to my twenty-fifth oh, anniversary. Oh right? gosh.
1: That's what happened, right? Because I was also confused. I thought he slept with like a Parisian person and on yeah. vacation for and only in now do I realize that's what happened. They were <laughs> attempting something stylistic, which didn't play at all because it's not like it wasn't, I don't, it's just also really hard to open open up on such a problematic thing for a film. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what,
2: (laughs) why are we, why do we want, like, this is our main character? He's a fucking shitbag? Like, he's a shit... The bigger problem, too, is not only is he a big shitbag, but because you start off with this shot of this affair, it makes you think that this is what the story is about. So you're like, okay, this cellist, this woman here big part of the film she's going to be right. the major art like a and mystery like who does he actually fall in love with this
1: is his true love maybe right no yeah she's only in the movie for like four one-minute scenes and I, I still can't even explain to you what happened in the last scene with her i, I don't even <laughs> understand <laughs> we, the co- the we are with gonna that. get there
0: adam <laughs> Do not freak out about it. We'll get there.
1: i just I just okay, finished so- it.
2: It's hot off my mind. I gotta talk about it. I gotta talk about it. Uh, so there's one other thing that really caught my attention because you mentioned we do kind of flash back into their uh, Paris. They're celebrating their anniversary as a um, as a double date, right? It's Gary Shanley yes. and Goldie Han. Oh,
0: uh, wait. Uh, sorry, David. One second. I'm gonna preface this by calling. None of the uh, characters by their names, only by their actor names because we don't know what their names are until like probably 10 minutes into the film.
2: That's very yeah.
1: fair. Very yeah. true. Yes. So tra- Okay, so
0: Diane Keaton <laughs> and Warren Beatty are married together. And in Paris, they are celebrating their 25th anniversary with their best friends Goldie Hahn and Gary Shandling, Wait. who are married together. <laughs>
1: Should we instead of referring them to their actor names, should we refer to them to as other characters from other movies that we're more familiar with? Like there's Dick Tracy sitting next to uh that uh military woman sitting next to uh the wife of the godfather and G. I Jane G. I. Jane and sitting next to the wife of Godfather, also sitting next to Gary Shanling from the Gary Shandling show. Is that how we should refer to this? <laughs> no?
0: Try. You can try. I'm going to call them by their actor
2: names. (laughs) Yeah, I'll Um, be honest, too. One thing that's unfortunate is that, uh, you know, I will say, uh, I don't know if you were, like, consuming media in the early 90s, but a a lot of these stars were so kind of behind my, before my time that I had, there was no, uh, I guess, like, charismatic charm or charismatic attachment to any of these folks.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. After their celebration, they fly back? So we got a one-shot of Paris. That's the 90 million, guys. Well, can I just say, shot in
2: one bit yeah. that really bothered me um, with that scene, because you're right, it was just to establish the fact that they've been married for 25 years and to establish the fact that these are uh, all really good friends. But they're blowing out their anniversary uh, candles, and they get frosting all over Shanling and Han. And I was like... I understand that this is a comedy, but this is the wrong type of comedy. This is like slapstick because presumably yeah. they've had 24 other anniversaries. They've also, they're about <laughs> 60 years old. So they've blown somewhere, to, uh, uh, you know, around 45, 60 candles, uh, you know, uh, in their lifetime. How do you mess up blowing out candles?
1: Babies do this.
2: <laughs> I It almost yeah. seemed
1: purposeful. It's, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense because Warren uh, Dick Tracy is not nice to uh, Gary Shanling at all uh, in this film. No, yeah. no. Yeah,
0: I, I have a theory that this in this film Warren Beatty is a sociopath <laughs> because he doesn't. He acts. He has like all the markers of a sociopath because he's like yes. He that's true. Tries to be nice and like or what he assumes to be nice and is almost selfish and then he. Thinks he deserves Diane Keaton at the end of it all.
1: Oh no! There's a big old metaphor with
2: that—a weather vane, by the way. Yeah, I wrote that down too. The weather vane is like sim- symbolic of his uh, moral compass. Oh, I thought it was his
1: oh. penis because it was a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, it's crooked.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> it was we'll, crooked. We'll get
0: to it. <laughs> it, was we'll get a, to it, it was a straight. Uh, okay.
2: okay, never mind. Okay. Well, one last thing. When they do fly back home from Paris, it's a private jet. There's only the four of them. And right then and there, I was like, I am not going to relate to these folks. I'm not going to care about these folks. They are the rich and the famous that I, you know, right now, currently, am envious and uh, despise. And that and
1: that, yeah. To
2: to go off of the
1: scene uh, is only. just a little bit of the the icing on the cake in in that we find out how truly exorbitantly rich these white people are. Like, so rich. Yeah. So rich. Like, it's
2: so unrelatable. I don't know who, like, what world is this? Well, right after that, when they get home, they introduce this bevy of characters and all of these, like, house workers that are all people of color. And the joke seems to be, who are all these people in my house that are not my family? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: No, not at all. Like, like at home in the, the uh, I guess, like, a really nice apartment building, um, they have, like, a doorman. They um, they go up to the, um, like, whatever floor they are at. Like, their door is right next to the elevator. And it's, like, this huge apartment room. They have, like, a maid, a living maid who has a boyfriend who lives with the, her there. And then um, they have, like, kind of like a bohemian, yuppie, hippie vibe, too.
2: I wrote down all the names and all the names. Porter seems to stumble through them. But uh, you have Tom and Alice who are his kids, but then there's also Omar, Yolanda, and Alejandro. But he seems to kind of stumble through all their names. And the big joke is kind of just like, oh, who's this and who's that? And I just want to relax in my own yeah. home. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. The, it's,
1: like- <laughs> it's kind of relying on some foreigner human humor, right? Like, that's, that's the joke of this is like, look at all these crazy foreigners in my house. Like, ultimately, what's the commentary? <laughs> like, truly, what is the commentary here? Yeah. Like, is this guy, like, low-key racist? Is that what, or is just the, like, are we, like, I don't, I didn't get the, the, his reactions were not strong enough for me to understand what this film was saying with this. You know what I mean?
0: So, it's, like, kind of insane because there are, like, other markers in this. Um, and uh, we'll move on to that. Like, where, when we get to the country house where, I'm not sure what Was happening at the country house because uh, Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton are hosting a tour group. So there's like for some reason there's like a Japanese group with their tour guide going to their country
1: home. That was fucking nuts, right? Like, what was that?
2: I don't even understand that. Like, what was happening there? (laughs) So as far as exposition goes, what was really confusing is um, there was a random shot in between. So here's what I clocked. I clocked that he comes home from a vacation in Paris, spends time with his family. But then, yeah, and then there's one shot. There's one random shot of him in an architecture firm. So we're supposed to assume that he's the architect. But then later on, yes. Diane Keaton is receiving the architecture award. So I don't quite know who's the architect, who's the star of the family. And um, now it, it seems like they're shopping for some Japanese company's business to be like, please let us design your buildings.
0: And those Japanese actors were so over the top. Japanese people do not act like uh, that yeah. at all. Like
1: they, they were a little too it, like overly, uh, like they aren't as reserved, like they were... Like more reserved is what you're saying. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I think as far as um, Asian stereotypes go, I think they got them mixed up because they did give them a lot of those same beats that we may see with uh, the traditional Chinese tourist uh, uh, stereotypes where they're just asking a lot of questions and taking photos. Whereas I think I would agree like uh, with the Japanese business culture in particular, typically they're more reserved, they're more professional and they're very like, don't ask any questions, don't make a fuss, let's just stand here and hear what they have to say.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. That is one hundred percent true. Like that, yeah. Totally agree.
2: So they were going to
0: view their country home, which she like. I think she's an interior designer.
1: Yeah, they're both designers. That's what we found out by Anna McDowell's uh, uh, look at the at the the magazine cover, which I guess was a thing (laughs) we didn't know about.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. So we, cut, we get a cutaway to Goldie Hahn at her home, her beautiful home in the backyard. And we just see her back and she, we hear her talking on the phone. And it turns out that it's her friend telling her that Gary Shanling is cheating on this her. This
1: was one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Uh, this really showed like her like, expertise as an actress because it started as like a a a frame where it was just seeing her patio furniture, and we don't see anything. Phone call. She runs into frame, sits down as if that's what she, her plan was the whole fucking time. And because there's like a tea a tea set next to her, like coffee and shit. Like what was she doing off screen? Like what? Like did she have? Was she gardening or like I don't. What was this scene set up for? Why was it there? And to me, it was like Goldingham was like, I, I gotta come up with some business. I'm going to run into the phone. Like, also, why was the wireless phone out there? You know what I mean? Like, there's so much to... I'm so confused about what this was. Like, but it just, to me, was, like, bad direction and good acting trying to, like, make it something, you know?
0: Yeah. And not only that, but, like, a side note, I feel like Goldie Hawn looks and sounds so much like um, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're very similar. Goldie in acting, yeah, I, in voice, totally.
1: Jennifer Aniston is like a a newer Goldie Hawn, you know, like yeah. I, I totally Do you guys get that.
2: Know that uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter is Kate Hudson, so that's actually where I mapped her to. She was very much they have the same mannerisms and the same facial expressions. But I guess yeah, if we mix together um, Jennifer Aniston and Goldie Hawn, you kind of get Kate Hudson. <laughs> True.
0: Um, okay, so we find out um that Gary Shanling's cheating. She actually follows him to his rendezvous point and sees that he goes in with a redhead but before after she leaves, we linger the camera lingers, and we find out that the redhead is a man.
1: <laughs> yes, how do we find that out?
0: Because he strips down, takes off his bra. And it turns and takes off his wig, and then that's how we find out that Gary Shandling is having a gay love affair. And I was like, okay, this could be like a little interesting to listen uh, to watch, but alas, it was not.
2: One thing I will kind of give them credit for—they didn't really. Uh, make that too big of a thing, so it wasn't a joke and it wasn't a gag. It was very sincerely yeah. just a man having an affair, a, a closeted man who is um, in a marriage with someone he doesn't love. To and
1: to yeah. be fair, though, as well, there's plenty of gay jokes to spare in this film. So, like, at l- least they didn't linger on it this one time. But there's wh- yeah. when Charles and Heston comes in, there's gay jokes all day. Like, it, that's where it just gets ramped
2: up yeah. for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, oddly enough, the gay jokes weren't where uh, the gay character's arc is. It's all with the beats with Heston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which doth
1: protest too much, Heston. (laughs) So
0: um, Goldie Hawn uh, goes and searches for Warren at a golf course to accost him about Gary's love affair. And she starts crying. She, like, storms on, ruins his game, and then she ends up just sitting there and cries
2: yeah, yeah and that was for some weird. reason that really throws off his game he even hits a golf ball at like another golfer which i think is like one of the biggest golfing faux pas you can have and it's all because she's crying as if her sadness is like the biggest like fucking interruption of him and his day <laughs> well
1: you know what is crazy is that this is like the beginning of his like we really tr- truly see his sociopath behavior you know like if anybody, this is somebody you've known your whole life. Hey, you invited them to Paris to join you on your joint twenty-fifth year, year marriage anniversary. She comes up and tells you this earth-shattering news. For her. you're like, hey, chill out, dude. My bros are over there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's and like he's just like, cool. You're leaving. I'm gonna go back to my game. Ah, fuck. You haven't left yet. Uh, I well, I'm just gonna power through this. And he tries to like. I don't, it's just like, what kind of monster? Like, he's already checking off more monster shitbag qualities now. Like, nothing redeemable has happened so far.
0: He is such a monster. And then we later on, we find out that they've known each other since he was 17 and she was 12. In Mississippi <laughs> or something? It was weird. It was a weird turn of events. I thought they were just yes. friends or couple friends or something.
2: And I think this is where we kind of see the two different writers and how their tone must have clashed because you're right. At this point he is not playing buddy, buddy. and It's not so lighthearted. He is a true monster, but kind of to support what we were saying earlier, this does come immediately after that weather vane. He was trying to fix a weather vane at their beach house and it uh, started to kind of tip over. And this is where we start to see maybe his behavior shift.
1: Right. I'm sorry. You're right. This is the second sociopath behavior and the, First sociopath behavior was when they showed up to the uh, beach house. Their gigantic, fluffy, rich, very, very rich dogs attack their housekeeper and knocks her over. And everybody rushes to the housekeeper's side. Meanwhile, he like puts his hands in his pocket and was just like, "Anyways, what's going
2: on? Like he's like, what the? F-? He's the man of the house. What I the think hell? That was a born Beatty move where everybody's like improving, like <laughs> help her. And he's just like, someone's gonna pick her up." <laughs> and, then he's just, and then he sees his crooked cock statue on
1: the house and is mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm going to go fix that because I need to go focus on that now. Like, what the hell?
0: No, Okay, so another marker of how rich they are. They have a fancy, like, lawn party with, like, a Ferris wheel and just all the fixins of, like, rich people's shit. And Warren Beatty, yeah, rich and fixins. Uh, <laughs> Warren Beatty takes Gary aside to ask him about his affair, and Gary has a breakdown, and he like about Goldie knowing, but he doesn't like. It's kind of he's more worried about find if I think it's more like psychological and like really good acting on Gary's part, where he like is is have a mental breakdown knowing that's someone think knows that he's gay.
1: Honestly, that scene makes so much more sense knowing like, oh, he is closeted. Mm-hmm. Because watching it at the time, I'm like what, like, what is happening here? Like, why? Like, these beats don't make any sense. Warren is whispering like, like an ASMR actor uh, like through this whole fucking scene as if he's trying to not cause a scene and uh you know gary shanley is crying sobbing and it makes a lot of sense like he's just really upset that his you know person his sexuality is is ruining another person's life he's like truly
2: a very like uh you know empathetic character unlike everybody else in this film well, leading up, to this, leading up to this confrontation, there were two things that I really noticed that were just super odd. So right before this was there was that random kitchen scene where um, everybody's having breakfast in the middle of the <laughs> night. And what that uh, kind of clocked in me was that everybody was having sex except for Porter. So the son's having sex, the housekeeper's having sex. That's after this scene, right?
0: Yeah, it's after the Gary Shanling scene.
2: I'm not quite sure uh, where it fits in. But yeah, at one point around this uh, time... Um, they're in the kitchen and uh, he's trying just to have a, a late night cereal. But then in comes Omar, his daughter's boyfriend. In comes Alejandro, the housekeeper's boyfriend, who, you know, these are all post coito meals. But And then finally, Josh Hartnett comes in. And so his whole household, all these people that aren't him, the same people that he was kind of annoyed at earlier, they're all getting some and he's not getting some. And later on, when he's walking down the street, he is checking out every other woman. So I think this is really where it starts to ignite. It's like, Hey, I'm Warren fucking Beatty. I should be. I should be crushing it. Yeah, you
1: know what? And, and in that moment, like that's the part where it was just like I kind of see what they're going for because they do have like they showed a moment um, before this where he is walking through the street, passing by beautiful women uh, or whatever, and he doesn't look, and everybody else looks, and then all that stuff happens that we discuss, where you know we see Gary, and then we see Goldie, and then. Um, the the thing with all the family members having sex literally cut to the next day as if like, you know, like it didn't like. There's nothing that told that story of like, oh, a flip has switched. Mm-hmm. It's just we see it now that all of a sudden, randomly, now he's chosen to look at, at other beautiful women. Even though we started off with a film that we know that he fucking cheats on us. like, is he like, is if he fucking cut to him murdering a homeless man in the next scene, I'm like, yes. This is the film. The man is a sociopath, and we
2: all, this is what we're watching now
1: him being exposed. That's
2: all we're doing. Yeah, they let us down the path of the serial killer. They didn't lead us down the path of a, of a cheater. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No,
0: yeah. He is in, insane. And like, not only that, but he doesn't even try to have any like intimacy with his wife. It doesn't seem like they have like any intimacy problems or anything. Right. Like there was no scene where she like kind of rejects him, but it was more like he just was tired of her, basically.
1: Well, they tried to get they tried to hook up a little bit, but goddamn, Alejandro with shirtless Alejandro <laughs> really cock blocked him.
0: <laughs> well, they tried to hook up while the door was fucking open too, so it was like. Of course it's not going to happen, you fucking sociopath.
1: I also love the fact that he's hearing all of his children just going straight to Bone Town. and He's just like, meh. <laughs> like, yeah. just like throws his Time shoulders up. going to have some
2: cornflakes.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if that was my dad, he would have kicked the fucking door down and would, like, god ape shit like what what are these like it's like uh you know it's like altered carbon like level of like dystopian rich future like these guys have no morals because they're so rich they can do whatever they want
0: you know what it felt like it felt like they were like these like yuppies who were like this free love shit in back in the like 70s you know so they're like open to that like having all these people like coming in in through their house, but they're just rich still.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, so um, after um, Warren goes into the city to talk to G- Gary about his affair, on the other side of the um, of the city, I guess uh, Diane Keaton and Goldie Hawn are discussing her one-time love affair with somebody random, and she doesn't count that or anything. And it was just, like, so weird because Diane, it was very clear that Diane Keaton is, like, the moral of the whole story. Like, she's trying to be, like, the, the straight person and everyone's acting fucking nuts.
2: <laughs> story of her career. Yeah. But I will say during... You know, she is trying to play the, the, the voice of reason, I will agree, but she's also like, she's very much an apologist. She doesn't really empathize with uh, Goldie Hawn, and she's kind of, like, apologizing for, like, Gary Shandling. She's very much like a, come on, you've been married for so long. It was just one digression. Talk it out. Work it out.
1: I mean, it really sets the stage for her, like, at the end, which is wow. How, like, I know she's a feminist, and I know that scene must have been very hard for her to shoot.
0: There was a lot, like, there was a lot with this film where it just made all, cause like all the women in this film were idiots. <laughs> they were written so stupid. Yeah. Um. Oh, case in point, after uh, Warren goes, uh, like after his lunch with Gary, he goes to have sex with the cellist <laughs> and they have this weird conversation where he's like, you know I'm married, right? And she mentions that she's married to her cello and...
1: <laughs> But, but I, okay. So was was there like another picture or something like that next to that cello that we didn't catch? Because that's the only reason the, why that that ending makes sense, right? For her to I be right I
2: didn't. I didn't catch that. But you're right because she does refer to the fact that she is uh, married to, and then she gestures to her cello, leading us to believe that she's married to her career or married to music. But then, kind of like spoiler alert, cut to the future she does have an actual human husband. And that is, on the audience side, we're thrown off. It was, I guess, supposed to misdirect, but I'm angry about it. Because I'm I'm (laughs) angry that I don't know her life and her character.
0: Well, I'm going to argue that she does not have one. And that they wrote that she is married to her fucking cello. Because I'm, like, after, like, I think when we, after midway through... It becomes batshit crazy because, like, we'll get into it. But
1: I mean, there's still so like okay, there's so much movie left in this. We've they literally traveled the world in this film, and I guess that's why they call it town and country, as you were saying, David, because it literally, like, it's just like where they go here, and then they go here, and then they go, and then they go fucking this old timey, uh, like, uh, like southern uh, mansion, and then they go to their. Crazy rich, uh, you know Park Slope place. It's it's just it's it's crazy, and we we go so many places. And this is yeah. like literally the the fucking setup of the film.
2: This is the setup. So I really I think we do need to progress further down this plot line. But I just want to make one quick point. The thing that really upset and angered me the most. So when. Um, uh, he's talking to Gary Shanling. This is where we start to see that he's noticing the cellist. She's playing like on the other side of the restaurant. And they're kind of exchanging flirty glances. Later on, he's like, okay, bye, Gary. And then he goes back. But they kind of cut away to some other scene. And when they cut back, they're already in bed. So at this point, we've caught up with the, um, the, the initial opening. But here's why I'm, I'm upset if this is supposed to be a rom-com, I want to see that flirtation. I want to see the seduction. I want to see the romantic beats. But you don't get that. All we have is like, cut to 10 seconds later, and boom, he's already, you know, finished in his pants, and they're just... <laughs> yeah. Sex. Like, Post, it's so post-coital. written from a male point of view, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. Um, okay, so I'm going to s- try to jog ahead. Um, so they... Uh, so... Goldie Hahn and Gary Shandling end up getting a divorce, and they split their assets. More like she takes everything, and then he keeps one cabin.
2: Written by a disgruntled divorcee, I'm gonna say.
0: I'm I'm gonna assume yes. <laughs> one hundred. Um, he at one point, Goldie decides that she has to go down to Mississippi because she has a plant, like a house there, and um, they. Diane Keaton tells uh, Warren to go with her because she needs support. She needs a friend. So he flies down with her. On the plane in first class is Andy McDowell just staring at a magazine of Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton. And-
1: Which would be the equivalent to, like, you being on the front of Southwest magazine. <laughs> like, like, uh, you would be, have to be relatively very successful. To to be on an airplane magazine cover.
2: But by virtue of being on that magazine cover, Mini Driver, uh, not Mini Driver, I'm sorry, (laughs) Annie McDowell kind of falls in love with him. And she says this line, and I don't get it. She says, um, I only fuck architects. (laughs) Uh.
0: There was, like, no, like, reason for her... To be like, I love architecture or something. There was like nothing that would lead her to believe that she was in love. I mean,
1: I've never seen any McDowell deliver a line like that. And, you know, she was in another uh, IAW film. Uh, Go check out our episode on uh, Hudson Hawk. Where she had uh, uh, her character was almost like the Diane Keaton of this film. Uh, yeah. You know, she really kind of stepped out of range of being like a kind of crazy person in this. And I fucking laughed when she said
2: that. Like, uh, that was truly a, a
1: left field joke. For real.
2: Well, I thought she was flirting. I, I, I thought she was roasting him. Kind of just like, okay, old guy, sit down, park it. I only, yeah. Oh, yeah. I only fuck architects, you piece of <laughs> But later yeah. on. The the crazy thing is she was sincere and that's why I'm my mind is blown that she meant it.
0: <laughs> it's completely insane. It's an insane plot. Point.
1: Listen, that's the line we are introduced to her character with. It only
2: heightens from there. Let's just say <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> You're right about that. Yeah.
0: Um so we land on this huge plantation in Mississippi, and this is why again, why it's ninety million dollars to make this film because it's a huge like broken down plantation house mansion and like Goldie Hawn says that um she wants. She wants to move down here. This is her home. She got to get back to her people. And then they look to the driver, who's an African American man, and it's very clear he's like you do not belong here.
1: She goes, "I want to go back to my people where I'm like I want to I want to stay here, back to my people." Cut to the African American driver who's just yeah. like,
2: "Really?" <laughs> like <laughs> it was like
1: weird That must joke, be intentional
2: guys. because later on she's also like Hey, uh, what's this plant? And then he tells her the name of the plant. She's like, "Oh, okay." Very much, I think, solidifying the idea that she has nothing to do with this community. Yeah, 100%. yeah. It was,
0: it was. There were some gems, like, like rough gems of comedy in this that could have been like ironed out a little bit more, but no, they didn't. They just ran with it because they had the money at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so later that night. Goldie Hawn and Warren, they, like, go out on the town. She, like, catches some looks from this one younger man. And, like, it kind of, like, revs her up because she's like, yeah, I still got it. I'm going through a divorce right now. And I'm a little older. It's fine. Um, but then they go. It's it's a very quick cut from that. It's, like, such a short little scene. Yeah. And then they cut to the plantation where it's very clear that they're going to fuck.
2: Yeah, very clear. Yeah. It's annoying, too, because right before that, I don't know why they did this, but uh, Godie Han, uh, like you mentioned, was sharing some flirty glances. But it was actually Warren Beatty who was, like, encouraging her as if she needed his permission. Like, go ahead, go talk to him, dance with yeah. him. But yeah. again, yeah. As the rom-com enthusiast, I really wanted that to be part of it. I want okay, maybe she's going to have a nice little trist and that's what this is about. He's going to like help her have her own fling. Nope, cut to them together, and then same idea. Are these two going to have a like their childhood friends? We're going to get some nice sweet flashbacks, right? Also, nope. Straight, no. like you mentioned, they're just three seconds away from stripping each other's clothes off.
0: <sighs> yeah. So wait. So I guess this posits that they're. They are from Mississippi, both of them.
2: <laughs> or at least they summered in Mississippi at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe they. Yeah, they
1: still are New Yorkers, true and true. But like their uh, their trust fund found themselves at uh, at a Mississippi sometimes.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a weird like turn of events. I couldn't I could see it being said in Florida if they were vacationing in Florida instead or something. Because that makes sense. New York to Florida is a very, like, common, like, trek. Totally. But, yeah, it, uh, I digress.
1: <laughs>
2: well, one thing that is kind of true to the rom-com trope is whenever you write these characters, they have to be highfalutin. They have to be from everywhere and they have to know about everything. So when they do right. go to Mississippi or Idaho or whatever, they seem to, like, know the lay of the land and carry it themselves very well.
0: Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, in the morning after their uh, salacious uh, s- sexual adventure, um, Goldie Hawn just flies back alone. <laughs> and he's just left in this busted-ass mansion. Yeah, because she alone. has
1: fucking morals and, like, regrets it immediately. And meanwhile, he's just like, meh, like, I'm a sociopath. What's for breakfast? You know, like, he just... <laughs> yeah. I hope I don't get caught. You know, that's it.
0: So later that night, he gets back home, and in the kitchen, it's kind of vague or, like, playful that Diane Keaton knows that he's been cheating on him, her because he, like, she makes a sandwich that was supposed to be for him, and she eats it. And she mentions that she went to go watch a movie in which it's the plot is that uh, the... Uh, about a wife who caught, catches her husband cheating and he and she murders him, basically. <laughs> right.
1: Pushes him out a window.
0: Yeah. The whole time, she's holding a knife that's, like, pointed at him.
1: She's, like, gesturing and pointing and, like, gesticulating with the fucking knife as she tells the story. And, you know, what, what were y'all thinking about the plot of this movie at this time? Because I felt like this was, like, Okay, I think we're solidifying
2: something, at least in my mind. Did that happen with with you? A hundred percent. At this point, when I was watching it, my brain, again, I'm trying to find patterns. I'm trying to find uh, tropes. So I was like, oh, this is a great movie now because we're finally getting into the rom-com. It's a love triangle between Warren Beatty, Diane Keaton, and Goldie Hawn. And I knew that this wasn't going to... Uh, this was going to take the rest of the movie. So I thought we were going to slow it down and into do this little playful, like, oh, it's a movie about a, a cheater. Yes I, yes. I didn't think anything of it. But immediately right after, Diane Keaton, like, reveals that she knows. And I'm like, what's going on then?
1: About a different thing that we didn't see in a different scene. So, Mary, what were you thinking in, in this scene?
0: I thought it was finally, like, ramping up and where he was getting consequences. And I was like, oh, okay, this is an interesting scene. And it was fun. And I wish that they kind of went with it because, like, the whole up until that point, Diane Keaton's character is such a doormat. Like, she is like fun and like very flat. And I was like, finally, some character from this woman. Yes. This poor woman who's right. been cheated how many times?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So. I was way off of all of you guys. Okay, so this is what I thought the plot was. I thought that uh, that this has all been a ruse. Uh, uh-huh. Diane Keaton has been cheating with Gary, Shan- Gary Shandling this entire time. And Gary Shandling and Diane Keaton have been teamed up together to, to force the divorces of their individual spouses into their own marriages. So they cheat on each other or they discover that the other one is cheating and that they can live happily ever, ever after so where they have uh, been uh, married, the whole, so that they can get married and they can continue their love affair without any uh, problems or ru- ruining the relationship.
2: At this time, interesting and probably a much better movie than what we got. (laughs) Like that's what I was hoping was happening.
0: You're you were hoping that it was a Shania Twain.
2: (laughs)
1: Yes, I hope this was like a "You don't oppress on me much" type of situation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you know about her story, right?
1: What? That
0: her her husband cheated on her, and then she ended up marrying the cheater's uh, husband. Oh
1: really? Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. That that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Like. Like, somehow we're going to get bookended with the film. And, you know, I, to be fair, I didn't see the true beginning of this film. So I didn't see... I just know that sh- he was cheating with somebody with, bl- like, blondish hair. And yeah. I thought, like, oh, we're going to circle back and we're going to find out that that was Goldie Hawn in the beginning. And we're going to, like... They're going to cheers at the end to have, like... Um, uh, they're going to have a, a wedding anniversary, but the... But the partners are flipped at the end, and they're going to be in Paris. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it
2: was going to be a that's cemetery there. That's very interesting. I do like the back of the 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 woman, so we don't know who it is. It's vague, and I do like the bookend of having them now, kind of like a square dancing, changing partners. I would love, yes. I would love to see that rom com, and I kind of wish I had seen that rom com now. You know, that's yeah,
0: that was like a that's like definitely a stronger story too.
1: I literally we, like, thought that's bookend. what was
0: happening. <laughs> no, you're. Definitely smarter than the these so called writers. Listen,
1: listen. I know this guy wrote Get Smart, but seriously, Buck Henry, get smart,
2: okay? Get smart, <laughs> Buck Henry. Man, you gotta reboot it. Call it get smarter. You're doing it. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there
0: we go. So the next day, Warren goes to Goldie Hahn's house to talk about like having a clean slate, not like forget about their affair. But it ends up they have I like got a, a very graphic sex scene
1: between the two of them. Yeah, we see Goldie Hans butt. We see Goldie Hans Goldie's buns. Like, no, I'm sorry. That's not, that doesn't work. Uh, Her
0: Goldie's, Goldie's? <laughs>
1: yeah. For uh, <laughs> Goldie Hans.
0: Um, so, and then later, Diane shows up because, uh, while they're still having sex. And, um, and then she, uh, Comes in because she's found out about uh, Warren Beatty's actual affair with the cellist, and then um, she, she like there's like this huge like runabout, like very a run, uh, '90s runaround where like Gary Shandling shows up to pick up his stuff, yeah, and. He was pretty funny in this, this scene. Yeah, he was. Like, there was, like, some comedy in this You're
2: scene. right. Yeah. I didn't realize it, but they played that same card twice. The one where it's just like, I'm about to get caught because all the players in this affair are in one location. But then they do it again yeah. later. I didn't even realize that.
1: <laughs> I do um, want to point out a wild choice. <laughs> is that the whole point of him showing up was to get his sport jackets, right? So he shows up with, like, one little, like... Uh, like one little bellboy hop, like uh, kind of like roller pin type of thing. A rack, yeah. But he, we see that he shows up with a gigantic U-Haul truck. So <laughs> yeah, I, are we saying that he rented this whole truck just for his jackets? What just, I think there was, I think that was like a
0: comedy like bit that they were trying to pull off that I thought was like it, they needed to be pointed out a little more. Where somebody, like, calls it out, where, like, you rented a U-Haul yes. for just your sports jacket?
1: Yeah,
2: well, yeah. <laughs> There's two things that happened. I, I agree. Like, that clocked, and I was really, like, tuned in on that, too. He has one line, which is, I think, out of, I think Gary Shanling is the most empathetic character in this entire film. But he has just this one line that really bothered me, because he says, How many times do I have to be seen driving a van? And I was like, ooh, man. <laughs> like that's, that's your take on this? The hot take is I don't want people to think that I drive a van for a living. Um, and then the other thing, too, he gets really upset because, like, uh, there's this misdirect where you think that maybe he caught uh, a, a glance of Warren Beatty and he caught him cheating. But it just turns out he's like, you used my shaver. How could you? And then dad Keaton's <laughs> like, you're crazy. You're insane. And I agree. Like, she yes. says what we're thinking. <laughs> Why do you care if you use your razor? Just switch out the blade. He delivers that
1: so well that I was like, did he actually catch Warren baiting? Like, did I miss that scene? Because he delivered it so well. He did.
0: I thought, I, I thought he caught it and he was just using it as like a, a leverage for him to get his stuff back. Oh. You know, that she was cheating ...on him this whole time... ...or use it in a way that he, she was cheating on him. But nope. no, nope, It doesn't... It doesn't really... He doesn't really know. It never comes out, no, really, no. to him.
1: Yeah, wait. Does he find out? He doesn't find no, out, No, right? she
0: tries... She tries to say it, tell him... ...at the end. But then he's like, no. It's better that nobody knows or something. Ugh, trash. Okay, so... Back in the city... Uh, warren finds out that the cellist is pregnant right outside of his apartment building and it's like oh my god this lady is she's just there just to tell him she didn't try to call him or anything
2: well and she's manic because she's kind of ranting on and on oh my gosh i'm gonna be late but i had to tell you we're gonna be so happy we're gonna have a, the baby's gonna make us so, i got the reports and i'm just like on and on and on and Basically, I, she just serves like you mentioned the purpose of delivering this one piece of information and to prevent Warren Beatty from getting a word in edgewise, I think was the whole point, right yeah,
0: to find to not find out spoiler alert that it's not his baby,
2: yeah, yeah, just to to corner him into this predicament,
0: yeah, um so he goes up to his um apartment, um Goldie Hawn and uh, Diane Keaton are sitting there waiting for him. And Diane straight up asks him if he is cheating on her. And then he just plays it off and then goes on an irate rant about how, like, she... How dare she, like, accuse him of, like, something so horrible that would, like, break up their family and stuff. And... He just storms off.
2: Well, it goes deeper than that, too, because to support the idea that Adam said earlier about the, the sociopath, he was rehearsing it the entire drive home. Oh, right. He yes, was like, yes, how, yeah. how dare you? Yeah, that's how I'll say it. How dare you? Yeah,
1: it's insane. It reminded
2: me of
1: like Walter White in Breaking Bad. Like, literally, that's what mm. Walter White does. He, before every lie, we just, uh, Kate and I just recently rewatched all of it. And literally before every lie he tells his wife, he's in the car like, no, listen like this. No, 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 no. I'll say it like this. I'll say it like this. And then you cut to him wildly manipulating the people that care about him in a way, like like as if it was just completely t- sold, like as if he is actually an actor. And as we all know Walter White is a bad person. It's called Breaking Bad. Like if this movie was called Town and Country Goes to Shit, like I, I get it now. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, what are we doing? What are we
2: doing here, guys? <laughs> I know. I wrote down when that happened. I was like, "Is this funny or sad?" I don't know <laughs> what the tone is anymore. And
0: it's scary. It is. Scary. It's scary. That's what it is. Yeah,
2: I
1: would love a supercut of this with like horror film music underneath it, e- or like sad pianos, <laughs> like because that's what this movie is. It's sad. If these people were poor, this is just a tragedy you know but because you're so right if, if these people were are rich it's just like i guess i can laugh at this because ultimately half of their money gets taken away in a divorce and they're gonna be fine they're still gonna own their apartment in the fucking upper east side you know like but if
2: these were like poor immigrants like in a family like i'd be like fuck that guy
1: He's an asshole. Yeah. Fuck I didn't even guy. think
2: yeah. about that. But you're so right. Because something like this, like a, 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 a sad affair like this, the the betrayal, this would devastate, you know, most families and most households. But because they are so affluent and they can do so well, like that's crazy to think. But rich people, they can survive cheating and they can survive divorces. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: It's, it's insane. So um, after he storms off, he comes right back in and like confesses who he's been cheating on. And so Diane just takes the kids and leaves for the country home, their second home. <laughs> so it works out. So
1: it works out.
0: <laughs> yeah, you think this is near the end, but no, we're probably halfway through the film, yeah. right? Oh
2: my now. God. Well, There's we're pretty much so through much. the first act because this is where, uh, right after this, the next scene is when Diane Keaton pulls off the weather vane. And then this is where I really think the move, like, again, the sex romp that the, I think this is, where it really begins. Because now he's kind of out on his butt. And it's time for him to venture into the real world.
0: Yeah, it's like, okay. So he, in the city, um, Warren goes to Gary's antique shop. For some reason, he has an antique shop. Which is
1: like low-key. Is that a
2: commentary on him being homosexual? Because he runs an antique shop? I think shop? it is. Like, you know what I mean? I, think- I didn't put that together till the end, but you're right. That It was, I think, at the time, in like the 90s, a very stereotypical thing for um, gay men to be into. Which is like
0: yeah, who are go antiquing?
2: Yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: So after some like misunderstanding conversation and like it is so confusing. It was like such a confusing because so Gary thinks that uh, Goldie is having an affair with Diane from what Warren's talking about, but no, it's not. Like there was just like some. It was a very confusing, like, way of speaking. I
2: agree. It wasn't
0: fun. It's, yeah.
2: I think it was meant to be funny because I think what Griffin was trying to do was, like, talk to Warren in in the sense of, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if they were gay? Because gay is okay because I'm gay. So he was trying to have that conversation. Whereas Porter was having the conversation of, I'm sleeping with your ex-wife and I want to make sure that this is cool with you. Wouldn't it be cool if I hooked up with your ex-wife? That's cool, right? So you have, it's like a it's like a it's like a a joke that they do in a lot of movies. Two people have different sides of the different conversation. But it's right. I agree. It did not work at all. It did not track. It was only confusing.
0: Yeah. Gary announces that he's gonna go and go to his cabin and be in the woods and be away from all this shit. And so he forces Warren to go with him. And it's and I was like so confused because I was like, isn't this summer? So we go to the cabin. A lot of sh- crazy shit happens, including Jenna Elfman showing up. Andy McDowell is there for some reason. And and we meet Charlton Heston and his um, wheelchair-bound wife. And she's insane. She calls everybody really vulgar uh, words.
1: Yeah, she says, uh, you know, stop fin- putting your finger up your butt to her husband.
0: <laughs> yeah. And she says... Uh, she calls Charlton Heston a
2: muff... Diver? Eater. Yeah, muff diver. Yeah, yep, diver. I wrote down she... Everybody in that scene is a sketch character. The mother is a sketch character. Charlton Heston's a sketch character. Even the creepy butler, who's, like, very much, like, Lurch, is something out of mm. a comic strip.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, And Andy McDowell's character is... Goes from, okay, kooky weirdo to completely insane because we find out that she sleeps with a bunch of dolls and she like has like play sex with the doll the stuffed animals and her dad walks in on them playing and it was insane
2: yeah
1: that was I mean again another door open wide open for a sex scene yeah
2: <laughs> So and even up until this, because here's the crazy part about Annie McDowell's character, because she was on a plane to Mississippi earlier. Now we're in Idaho. Mm. Somehow they meet each other in this small, like humdum town. And then the crazy part is, like you mentioned, she is, I mean, she's a very beautiful, gorgeous woman. Why does she want to have sex with uh, Warren Beatty? Why does she invite him over? And then lastly, yeah. why do they host him? Why do the parents <laughs> let this strange sixty-year-old man stay in their nice home? Yeah, yeah. And we had to talk about the uh, uh, the fact that uh, Charlton Heston he plays like this Olympian who is also friends with Ernest Hemingway. And right away, I heard you were intimate with uh, uh, Hemingway, and that's when Charlton Heston just goes off with his homophobic rant.
1: Why, like, yes, yeah. I mean, we were doing it's- so good at like toting a line up until this point. But good old Charlie H comes in and is like, nah,
2: nah, nah. Get that gay shit out of here. You know what I mean? Like, what, <laughs> what? Yeah, he this is really couldn't... where it becomes a different movie. This becomes like National Lampoons uh town and country, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It... Oh, that's the movie. That's the movie. <laughs>
0: so different. So different. Um, okay, so afterwards, they go to a party, Jenna Elfman's there. Um, they almost have, they almost 69 out of, in the
1: open <laughs> My air. My wife pointed that out as we were watching. She goes, like, they're
2: 69ing. What the fuck? But he's in a full polar bear outfit. So even if they were 69ing, <laughs> yes. like, you're not getting through all that fur. And also, he's wearing one of those, like, mascot helmets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then his he's almost caught by his, uh, he's caught by his son. Who's there? It was like a weird. And why the fuck like,
2: is he there? Like, by the way, this is this is Josh Hartnett, and this is the same year that Pearl Harbor came out. So he's like on the rise, up and coming star, Josh Hartnett. I felt like they just need to give him more. Shot two to three years before Pearl Harbor, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is more like the faculty, Josh Hartnett. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, let's skip to the end where Diane Keaton's supposed to get an award at this award show. Warren Beatty, like, like all the women in Warren Beatty's life show up in a bathroom at this award show. And, like, it's just all happenstance that they're there. Like, including, like, um, the cellist who's playing the event. Um, and then Goldie Hawn, obviously, is there to support her friend. And then we get Andy McDowell just there. Well, she's
2: chasing him cuz she's so in love with him, yeah.
0: Yeah. Cuz she loves architects, so she's there for the award <laughs> um to clean up, if you will. <laughs> and then uh, Jenna Elfman shows up and she changes in she changes her shoes in the bathroom. That's the only that was the plot. Device for her to get into the bathroom
1: which is what pe- then, women do right they go to a dirty bathroom yeah. and put their bare feet on it to change their shoes right? yeah, yeah
2: yeah here's the wild exactly. thing about Jenna Elfman I think we're missing something I'm pretty sure there was another later draft with more beats because Jenna Elfman earlier she is a, uh, a clerk at like a bait and tackle shop later on yeah. she ends up flying from Idaho to New York and her only reason for doing this is just to tell Josh Hartnett by the way we weren't 69ing. Okay, bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she had like the funniest line in the uh, lines in the movie up until this scene. She was so funny working at that bait and tackle yeah. shop cuz she like was so knowledgeable and just so much fun to be around, but she, they squandered her character and turned her into another like kooky girl that flew from idaho to new york not for romance but to clear the name of a sociopath (laughs) (laughs) so in the end after um warren shows up chases diane keaton out into the um the lobby area charlton heston in a mad ranting raving holding a shotgun comes in looking for warren It was like the most real scene too because everybody was reacting correct in this scene. Up until this scene, nobody has reacted at all.
2: (laughs) I mean, a completely different uh, political climate back in 2001 because today you think, you know, crowded theater or crowded uh, auditorium and gun, it just would not play well. It's just so uh, a, a sick, poor, tasteless joke. But in this one... This is again the climax. This is like the height of like, ooh, what's gonna happen next? Well, I would argue too that this—that's just another
1: reason why this movie is so out of touch. Because to be fair, Columbine had already happened, and ah, and yeah. Charlton Heston had made his famous speech on in front of the NRA, holding his rifle. You could tear this for, uh, from my cold, dead hands right afterwards. Because there, were, again, the first you know, wildly public mass shooting in America happened, and that was the NRA's response, that cut to a year later, two year, years later, he's running into a film where he's shooting in the middle of a crowded auditorium. Like, guys, like, w- like th- this movie is tone-deaf in all of the wrong places. Our uh, emotional... There's no emotion behind our main character. Uh, like, plot-wise, no. like, the, the, we're hitting jokes that are incredibly insensitive. The plots is like... Uh, just going off the fucking rails, and now we have Charlton Heston just making a cameo, practically as himself, in this for no reason.
0: <laughs> I mean, they were like, Charlton Heston, we gotta get you in yeah. here. I want to shoot again.
2: <laughs> okay, Mister Heston, whatever you want. Please, yeah, just yeah. Do, we'll let you, we'll let you go off against uh, uh, homophobia for like twenty minutes too, if you want anything. To Listen, you yeah, here.
1: I'll sign up for your movie, big I got. Two quests. I get to make one gay joke and I get to shoot somebody in a, in a crowded room. I don't give a fuck what your movie's about. That's what I'm doing. Yes, yes. Done and done. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Great, 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 great.
0: <laughs> okay. So in the end, uh, Warren and uh, Warren Beatty and uh, Diane Keaton, they meet up with a lawyer and they're splitting assets. And at one point, you think that Warren's got, gotten Diane back gotten her back with um uh, by telling her about how he read a book to her while she was having pneumonia and how it's she made it made her cry at the end and it's like a classic sociopath move too to bring up a memory as like ammo against their uh uh abused partner <laughs> and at first you think oh she's going to get back with him because that's how this movie's written, but thankfully she doesn't, because he ends up sleeping at his office, and she has to. Uh, she and he only gets to visit them in the countryside whenever she feels like yeah.
1: it. Yeah, and his cock is straight
2: now on the on the on the roof. <laughs> That's right. On the we- it weather It closes veins. with him yeah. fixing that weather vane, which, again, if we're going to follow the symbology, which I don't even know if we should at this point, it just shows <laughs> that he's kind of course-correcting and getting himself back on the straight and narrows.
1: Right. So if I could say something, so this whole time, Diane Keaton is treated like a doormat. She finally stands up for herself, catches him with, the, with all of it, and he comes and admits all of his wrongdoings. And he even admits in that divorce session... Uh, with the attorney, with Diane Keaton there. I'm a piece of shit. Why do I, why could you ever, how could you ever love me? I feel so bad. I've done all these things. And then for some rocking reason, the writer, the writer was like, no, Diane Keaton needs to stand up for this asshole. No, he needs to be likable at the end of this. And then Diane yeah. Keaton had to deliver a monologue about how he's not actually that, not that bad and he's treating himself, he's not being too kind to himself. And it's like, fuck you, movie movie go fuck yourself okay because <laughs> that's that's not that's not how movies are made that's not move that's not a movie all,
0: let's all three of us say fuck you okay. movie and then we'll take okay. a break
1: one one two, two, two three. three three fuck you, you fuck movie, movie. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs>
0: awesome. let's take a break In the world podcast
2: to,
1: uh, what are we celebrating? 25 years
2: 20. of marriage. Okay, blow them yeah. up, pal. Right. Oh, oh.
1: Porter Stoddard had it all. A great job. It's, it relates to the city. The city's, uh, the city's, it sticks out, it's curvy, it's good, it's, it... what?
2: Great friends. But in your last 25 years, you haven't once ever, you know, no, not once? No. ever? No, have you thought about it? Several times. Great family.
0: Dad, did you see uh, Holly's
1: stuff? Did you ever worry about swallowing it? I
0: did twice, but I got it back.
1: How did it do? Uh... <sighs> but then <laughs> Porter's world turned upside down.
2: How could you let this happen to me? You know every move that Griffin makes.
1: Are you having an affair? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yes? temptation's about to get the best of him i'm uh, an
2: architect How did you know i was an architect i love architects
1: give him his drink you old muff diver
0: and welcome back that was a great break We found out during it that David watched this movie twice.
2: (laughs) So to be fair, though, I watched it the first time as a rom-com, expecting a rom-com. And uh, it was a bit of a disappointment. But the second viewing, I tried to watch it more as like a dramedy and more as a, again, I think that the screenwriter was just getting some shit out. (laughs) And when you watch it like that, you're like, okay, this guy's just fulfilling like all the regrets he has in life. He's regretting not cheating on his wife. He's regretting the divorce and he's regretting not, you know... Asking for forgiveness, I feel like.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good one. Seriously. So at this point, let us do our trailers, and I'll go first. In a world where two men, they're cheating ass, they get kicked out, and they have to, they decide that they should go and be men in a cabin in Idaho. The dead of winter, because that's what Hemingway did, baby. <laughs> and the two men are Warren Baby and Gary Shanley. One of them is closeted gay, the other, he's a sociopath. During this whole time in the cabin in the woods, they have to figure out their place in the world and confront their demons. This is town and country.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Let's get to yours, David. Okay,
2: quick question. Does it have to start with inner world?
0: Yeah, It would be preferable, but we've had a couple people who didn't do it. Okay,
2: uh, I'll try to do it. I'll try to squeeze in. Okay. In a world where one man has it all, the perfect job, the perfect wife, the perfect family, what could be missing? Pussy. Watch as one man tries to fix his crooked cock by sticking it into every hole he can. <laughs> From, uh, uh, what is this, Warner, Columbia or Warner Brothers comes a movie for all the men that are sexually frustrated and upset that they're not as happy as they should be. Emphasis on the cum. <laughs> Town and country? Town and country. <laughs> 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 yeah! Woo! So
1: good!
0: I don't think we've ever gone sex sex oh no I didn't do a trailer about a porn <laughs> once <laughs> that was a long that's time right, yeah, ago that's right. <laughs> anyways we've come to the close David let's let's get some plugs what do you have you have a podcast yes correct coming out that's
2: right so um, the reason why Mary was kind enough to choose This rom-com is because I actually, I really love rom-coms. It's my favorite genre, and I have my own podcast. It's called Rom Companion. And in the Rom Companion podcast, all I do is I watch rom-coms, some of our favorite classics, and then I just kind of commentate through them. Uh, It's spelled exactly as it sounds, and it's just, I think, a a different way to watch some of these old movies that you're used to. Um, And I also pick some more obscure uh, rom-coms that you may or may not have seen before, and it's a good way to kind of see it in today's light. And one of the episodes I did recently was actually Shall We Dance, which I now found out directed by the same director of uh, Town and Country. Ah,
0: We'll drop it in our um, comments section of this episode. Uh, But G, where can we find you?
2: Um, You can find me on um, social media. I am at uh, David D. Long on everything, and it's uh, L-U-O-N-G.
0: Yes. Um, You can follow me at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at MaryHBWin, um, you can follow the show. Everything's on our website at Um Like, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Like, like, it's quarantine time, baby. You need time. Ta- you are bored, and you need entertainment. Yeah. Let us entertain your ears. Listen, there's a
1: lot of content out there right now, and you don't know whether or not to watch it. So let us let us watch it for you and let it, let us tell you if it's good or not. So
2: go ahead, subscribe <laughs> to the show. And I'll say one last yeah. thing for Town & Country. Even though we kind of have been kind of uh, shitting on it for the last hour and a half, I will just say um, there's so much good content out there on Netflix, on Amazon. Don't watch a good movie. Watch a piece of shit movie like this <laughs> and hate watch it with us and you can kind of see... Exactly what we're talking
1: about. Yeah, let's get riled up. Yeah, let's get riled up in this quarantine season.
2: Yeah, let's. It's a perfect
0: movie to watch to get mad at rich people.
2: Hell yeah! Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's start the revolution.
2: <laughs> eat the okay, rich. Okay.
0: Have a good night, everybody. Have good, yeah.
2: Eat
1: the rich.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bye. In a world.
2: Oh pot.